Hi, I'm Michelle Danner, and you're listening to Pop Culture Addicts. Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts, the weekly show that brings you interviews and discussions with people in our pop culture world. You know, that means we get to talk more about movies, more music, more video games, and more. (laughs) Don't miss a week. You never know who's going to be our next guest. So, okay, addicts, are you ready for your pop culture fix? Welcome to Pop Culture Addicts. Our guest today is a world-renowned acting coach, film and stage director. She's an author and a teacher. Now, her students include some of the names that you're clearly going to recognize. We're only going to name off a few of them. There's too many to to list. But uh, people such as Chris Rock, Gerard Butler, Seth MacFarlane, Penelope Cruz, Michael Pena, Salma Hayek, Zoe Deschanel, Gabrielle Union, Henry, Henry Cavill, and that's just that's just like the tip of the iceberg, guys. Uh, our our guest today is an acting teacher uh, of of acting teachers, and uh, so Michelle Danner is our guest. She she has either produced, directed, or taught many of the stars that we see making the things that we enjoy in the world around us. We're very uh, proud and excited to have Michelle Danner with us today. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're excited. So I, I have a lot of questions uh, that I've always wanted to ask somebody who does what you do. Because, you know, I've always heard about, you know, going to acting class. And we've nice. talked with a lot of voice actors and things over the years on, you know, not only this show, but another show that we do called Funny Science Fiction. We've talked with actors and voice actors, and they all talk about the importance of acting classes. And so after you talk to somebody who does that for a while, you, you start having questions about the person who does the classes and, and the importance of it. Uh, because to me, from the outside looking in, it seems that acting is something either you have or you don't have. And maybe I'm wrong. Do you think that acting is something that can be taught or does it have to be a natural talent that can, somebody can draw from? There's always a natural talent. I've always loved that quote that Stella Adler had, which is you have to have a talent for the talent. So a lot of artists have talent. A lot of people have talent, but then you've got to be willing to put in the work, the effort, overcoming the challenges, the resourcefulness. Um, So I think that so many people are talented and, and people always talk about the it factor, you know, what is that? You know, people that have it. But mm-hmm. part of that it for me is the willingness, you know, as an actor to go past what's comfortable, to really be willing to work hard to make a difference. Um, for me, it's understanding what you can contribute in this business. That it's not so much, I think a lot of people come into it and it looks glamorous and being on a movie set looks glamorous and acting looks, you know. I always remember that one moment I had when I went to the bank to make a deposit. Um, And, you know, they asked me, what do you do? I said, oh, you know, I'm an acting teacher. And they said, oh, oh, yeah, I could do that. I mean, there's just everybody thinks, you know, that they can do that without training, without, you know, putting in the work. Because great acting makes it look easy. You know, great actors look like you can just morph into different characters and you can make it look easy. But it's, you know, challenging a lot of the time and it requires, you know, effort and discipline 
and knowledge and hard work. Okay. Well, that'll make sense to me. I can, I can understand that. And also I, I started thinking as you were talking about that, that, you know, uh, some people it comes more naturally to, can you give us an example of somebody that you've, you've taught that, that just came really natural to, and they, not that they didn't have to work for it, but you could just see that it was just, it was right there and, and they were going to be able to take it and run. Well, I just did a movie. Um, well, not just, I did it right before, you know, the pandemic called The Runner. And uh, I cast, ended up casting for the lead, a newcomer, a student of mine who had studied, but had a lot of natural ability, which is what you're asking me for, you know, but I, mm -hmm. I strongly believe that natural ability and, and instincts uh, and, and talent, a great deal of talent, actually, it's not enough. Sorry, you have my little, you see what's happening here. I have to hold him. <laughs> he keeps wanting to be in the shop. He's a puppy. Oh, that's all right. We are dog friendly on the show. He's a puppy. To calm him down. So anyway, you know, I ended up casting him. He has wonderful natural ability. This movie that we did, The Runner, that got tons of awards on the festival circuit, changed his life. He got signed by a big agency in Hollywood. And then this summer, he was on the set with Ridley Scott shooting uh, The House of Gucci, directed um, you know, by Ridley Scott with uh, opposite uh, Lady Gaga. Um, so, you know, he's a great example, I think, of somebody that had, you know, uh, has great natural ability. And yet, craft, you know, I don't think anybody can get away with it without really having a foundation to support it. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Actually makes a lot of sense. So everyone has a backstory, a tale of how they got to where they are. And usually people don't teach an art form unless they're genuinely passionate about it. So Michelle, what inspired you to pursue acting as an art form? And how did you become an acting teacher after that? Well, I mean, stories have always changed my life from an early age. I grew up in Paris, in France. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad opened the very first offices that the William Morris Agency had off the Champs-Élysées. And I would devour books. I would go to you know different libraries and just read, read nonstop. I don't know if you hear the rain here in the background. We do. I was, I'm yeah. like, I love the sound of the rain, though. <laughs> it's pouring like you know, <laughs> It's just so rare in Los Angeles, you know. When you see something like this, you're like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I, uh, I, I loved, I was fascinated by the art form, by acting uh, at a very early age, by storytelling. And uh, I would just, like I said, just read one book after the next. I would watch movies. I would watch TV shows. I was really involved in what made a great story, what made a great actor, what made a great performance, a great acting moment. I was always mm -hmm. invested in the answers to those questions. And I studied it for a very young age. So if you saw me, for instance, I was lucky enough to study with iconic teachers such as Stella Adler and Uta Hagen. And if you saw me in class back then when I was a teenager, you know, I was just taking notes and I was just like a sponge, you know, just learning everything. And, you know, it was certainly, I think, meant to be that one day I would become an acting teacher. It's got to be such an experience growing up in Paris. That would be Yes, I, mean, I really had that experience of growing, not only in Paris, but my, we traveled a lot. So we traveled all over Europe and I, I started to travel at a very young age. But to have that experience, that education in a French school, although at first 
I must say that the French, you know, kids did not welcome me. You know, they would call me la petite américaine, the little American, pull my hair. They put frogs in my bag. Oh, uh, goodness. Until I started to become really popular. I really turned it around for myself because I read this book, The Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas. And I basically mm -hmm. adapted a play. I wrote a play based on the book. And I cast about 40 kids in school. And the teachers loved me. But at the same time, I revolutionized the school because, you know, we'd have rehearsals. and I would just throw everything upside down. But all of that for creativity. And so the teachers were, you know, at the end, very happy with me. The students loved me because they wanted me to cast them in the mm -hmm. next production. And I did about three of them a year. I did poetry with dance, plays, plays by Moliere. So I became this very popular little girl after I was bullied and teased for a while. Ah, oh, well, that's quite the redemption, especially with kids. Kids are kids are brutal. <laughs> that's kids no are brutal. Kids but are brutal. In Paris and France are brutal. <laughs> See, I thought growing up in a tiny town in Michigan that the the kids that I went to school with were bad enough but i never had any frogs put in my bag that's that's oh, a whole yeah. new level of of me and they also bullied my sister oh. until we had a big showdown on the playground and i basically uh grabbed this girl and i smacked her and i said <laughs> i said never touch my sister ever and there were all these kids about you know 50 kids around us and from that day on <laughs> they did not touch my sister nor me well, that's good. That's good, yeah. though. She's lucky to have a sister that would stand up for her. That's Absolutely, cool. yeah. I know she my siblings are the same way. If somebody was in my face, they were right there with the don't do it. But that was usually the, no, if you mess with her, she's going to get you, and she's scary. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the way. I mean, that's still so much current topical conversation, right, in our society is how do you stand up to bullies? Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, Potentially getting in their face and, you know, reading in the riot act might not be a bad thing at all. Right. I feel that there is a there is definitely an aspect of the showing them that you're not afraid of them, that they don't have power over you. And absolutely knock them back down to size. Well, like most <laughs> most things that I mean, we're not going to solve bullying here today, but it's a good always to acknowledge that that uh, most of that comes from, you know, them wanting to have a measure of control over over someone, something. And it's you know usually an issue of, of wanting to assert dominance but if you can show that that you're not the one that they're going to do that to you know nine times out of ten they're going to back down and, and back away yeah you know because they don't want to fight they just want they want to win they want the easy win exactly that's so that's right. all right michelle so i've looked over your uh the list of things that you've been involved with on imdb i went to your website um looked at a lot of things you know that wikipedia has a nice nicely written article about you and a, a lot of the things that you've done a lot of the things that you're doing and i got a little sleepy because there was a lot of things in there uh you are a very very busy woman yet somehow with all this activity between the act your own acting the teaching of acting producing directing you still found time to write a book called the golden box or you're writing a book i should say i did and it's written it's written it, but i have okay. unfortunately a sense of perfectionism 
that is uh, not well suited for publication right now. No, I mean it's gonna come out. I just keep revising it and revising it. And, okay. You know, just, I don't know. I have a sense that maybe I, I don't want to. Do, I just want to do one edition. I don't have to have to revise it. So what happens? Such an interesting thing for me, and you know, in an art form, I equate it to, you know, when I write something, or when uh, you know I edit a scene. And mm-hmm. I'm very content with myself and I celebrate right after. Oh, this is great. I love it. And then the day after I look at it and I'm like, oh, God, what, what is this? This is terrible. <laughs> and I have to go back in there again and do it again. And I'm just flabbergasted by, by that. I'm just flabbergasted by how you don't see everything. You know, you have to keep seeing new things. And I was just rereading the script that uh, I'm about to direct in a few months from now. We're going to start pre-production. And I, I didn't read it for like two months. And I just reread it. And I saw all those things. So this thing that you keep seeing things that you don't see just, just blows my mind. So that's why I haven't published the book yet. But I, it's written. And uh, and it'll, it'll come soon. I think I have to do this movie, though, before. Okay. Well, if you don't mind, can you tell us about the, a little bit about the book? Because all I was able to find is that you have, uh, at the time, said you were writing, and you say you have written it. So, what is the what is the book about, and and how so will it be be brought to the to market, book so to speak? Encompasses first, uh, it's, it's it's a big book. It encompasses, um, you know, a blueprint on how to script analyze, how to create character, how to make choices. And then there's a section in it, which is I answer 100 of the most asked questions about acting. And then okay. there's another section in it where I incorporate and uh, and create on their own exercises that actors can do called the daily ritual, exercises that they can challenge themselves with uh, on a daily basis. Okay. So that's, that's the book, that's the golden box. Okay. And best guess, you know, I said you're working on a movie right now, but best guess, when do you think you'll, you'll be able to get that out? Fall 2022. Perfect. Okay. We will not hold you to that. Obviously there's, there's (laughs) there's a lot of things that have to happen between now and then. And I understand, I definitely understand where you're coming from with the perfectionism and the going through and reading again with the, Oh, what I could do that better. I totally get that feeling. 100% 100% that is something I also struggle with with the I don't I love what I've done but then I read it again and I'm like but oh no not yet <laughs> probably on one hand it's a healthy desire to keep wanting to raise the bar and, and you know and do better but as long as you know if if we talk again five years from now and I haven't published it, then then, then we know that <laughs> it's an obstacle that needs to be overcome. But uh, I'm pretty sure that in the next year, it's going to be out. Okay. Awesome. Well, I, I think a lot of people can identify with the with the the wanting it to be just just so and having it done just right, you know, or calling it perfectionism. Either way, uh, you know, even with this, w- with what we do here, you know, as we do our write-ups for it and things, you know, I know that you know, I, my backspace button gets hit a lot because no, I don't like the sound of that. And it tap, 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 retype something. And, you know, and so I can only imagine that in a, in book form uh, that you'd probably even pay more and, and closer attention to that. So that completely right. and totally, totally makes sense. And I think that if I were writing something similar to what you were doing, I think I would take that time too and want to make sure that I get it. So I get it just so as it's, as it's ready to go. Yeah. 
So we've spoken to quite a few actors recently, as well as producers and musicians. And during the course of the conversations, we typically end up discussing advice. So in your case, what advice do you like to give to new and aspiring actors? I, it could be something that you wish that you had been given on early in your career, or maybe just an uncomfortable truth that's easier to accept early. You know, I wish that I had understood early on that I needed to push myself to go deeper, not to stay on the surface. And to do that, you have to be able to tolerate repetition. I had a very strong defense mechanism button that always, you know, if I saw a movie, I went, I saw it already. I don't need to see that again. And I think that what really leads you to elevate yourself in your work is to be able to watch things over and over again, study them in depth, understand why something works and something doesn't. And uh, I felt that, you know, I was very, like I said, an avid reader and watcher. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, I wish I had picked, you know, 10 of my very favorite, you know, books and movies and studied them incredibly in depth. I think that that's really helpful. I see my son do that. Um, my, my oldest son who's studying filmmaking. I see him literally watch four movies a day. And, you know, there's some movies that he's watched a dozen times. And we were on a plane uh, and I turned over and he was crying. I said, what are you, why are you crying? What's going on? And he goes, I'm watching this South Korean horror movie. And it's so sad. And I'm thinking, you know, when I was 18, I never watched the South Korean anything. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought to myself, hmm. And, you know, he's already done shorts and done some awards on the festival circuit. So I think, um, He's doing what I didn't do at that age. All right. Very good. So I have to ask you this question because my if my daughter sees this and she hears that you love books and I didn't ask, who's your favorite author? Oh, you know, there's too, too, too much. There's too many. My favorite, one of my, I can only say one of my very favorite playwrights is Tennessee Williams. One of my very favorite authors could be... Um, Pat Conroy, or um, I loved reading when I was young, Margaret Mitchell, you know, Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved reading Steinbeck. Okay. Um, and uh, and now I, I've gotten, I gave this as a gift to my niece, and then I ended up getting one for myself. It's Book of the Month. And in the Book of the Month, there's this committee, and they choose all, like, the best books of each genre. And so I'm reading tons of wonderful thrillers. And I always have something great to go to and read, and I love to read. And one of the greatest frustrations right now in my life is that uh, I'm not, you know, a teenager anymore, and I don't I have very little time because I'm raising kids and, mm-hmm. you know, making movies and doing mm-hmm. lots of great things. And uh, and unfortunately, you know, I've got so many books that I want to read, and I don't <laughs> have the time to read as much because there's always a distraction or somebody calling me or something I have to get done. But uh, yeah, I just love, love. I have a passion for reading. And I do Audible too. Audible is good too, you know? Yeah. I, that's, that's one of the things that I've, and I always, that's how I got back into reading uh, is because I use Audible. 
and I listen to books because I don't have the time to sit down and typically to sit down and read a book. Um, and frankly, I, I like hearing people tell stories. So for me, uh, you know, it's it, that's another way for that to kind of branch out and get that same feeling of, of having a storyteller relating a story. You I know. need to get I need to get into Audible more because I love reading. I love stories. I love any sort of fiction, stories, plays, whatever. But I have a three year old. <laughs> there is no time to sit and read. Oh my god, you have a three year old. You look I so young. I have a three year old. <laughs> you look you. like so young. Oh my god. No, I have well, a three year old, and it's it's exhausting. the The majority of the books that I read are Cat in a Hat and those level which i mean i love i love cat in the hat i love dr seuss books i love the berenstain bear stories but mommy wants time to read novels too and it's it's difficult audible might be good because you know if you're going around the house you can i mean my son does it with podcasts Mm -hmm. you know he i see him going to the bathroom he's got a podcast going on at the same time um Mm -hmm. yeah it keeps you in the world of stories and Absolutely. that's magical. That's just a great way to spend your day mm-hmm. when you're in the world of a story. I mean, I was talking to uh, you know somebody that I knew, and they said, you know, when I do laundry, I, I watch because she has like you know three kids. She goes, mm-hmm. I watch The Crown when I do the laundry. Oh, so, you know, multitasking. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll, yeah. that's probably the only way I get things done is by multitasking. See, and I totally do that with the watching Outlander while folding laundry after my daughter's gone to bed because. Fair Can't enough. watch Outlander when the three-year-old's awake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Michelle, let's let's talk about. You mentioned it earlier, but let's talk about it now. Let's talk about the movie that it was in the festival circuit in March of, of 2021, The Runner. Uh, but let's talk about The Runner, if you don't mind. Um, yes. uh, IMDb also lists it as a thriller, and I'm hoping that they're accurate in that no, description. It's a thriller. It's an action thriller. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about the about the movie and uh, what the premise of it is so that, that people can be on the lookout for it so they can know why it's a good thriller to watch. Well, um, it's, uh, it's what happens to our kids when we don't watch after them. This kid gets caught up in a whole web of um, being forced to wear a wire to bring down the drug kinpin of the town. Mm-hmm. And um, the action takes place in one day, and he has to find a way to save his life and save his friends' lives uh, all at the same time, trying to help, you know, enforcement to capture, you know, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, um, you know, it's a movie that I did. I shot it right before we went into the lockdown. Mm-hmm. So. I was able to have time to edit. I wrote the treatment of it. I had seen this news report one night about how kids, you know, get into, you know, the, the, the horrible situations because unbeknownst to their parents, they're forced, you know, to they're, they're selling pot in school and they're forced to wire up and, uh, and then shit happens. Um, so, um, it's, uh, I gave it to a writer friend of mine, Jason Chase Terrell, who wrote a, a great script. And uh, we shot it, which now looking back on it, because I know that we were going to do it in April, but we ended up doing it a couple of months before. So that was luck, because I know we would have not done it to this day. So we get a chance to make this movie. Um, and I think it's a wonderful, we were at this film festival in Italy called Ischia, which is a great film festival. And 
all these kids showed up to the screening. It was like a, a packed house, you know, and I was like, oh my God, who, who told these kids that this was a family movie? Um, <laughs> all going to leave. So anyway, as I did a, an intro of it, I said, you know, this is a cautionary tale that tells you what to not do. Right. Um, but uh, people seem to really like it. We just had a screening now and we won the jury award for best movie at the Chinese theater here in Hollywood as part of Ooh. the Silicon Beach Film Festival. And uh, and people, it was completely sold out, you know, you, uh, and then people were so complimentary and they really liked it. And there's nothing like that experience, especially when you're a filmmaker to watch something, a movie that you made with a, with an audience and audience right. feedback. And uh so, you know, and I love also, you know, I've done other movies throughout the years. Um, I love when I leave people with a good feeling, but I have made movies where, uh, you know, I did a movie notably with the um, Norman Reedus, who was wonderful from The Walking Dead. And mm -hmm. it was dramatic. It was a drama. And it left people at the end with like, you know, it punched them. It was like a punch in the guts. And I remember... When they left, when they were leaving the theater, they were looking at me and I was like, oh, I don't like this feeling. I don't like that. <laughs> I like it better. And then I did another movie called Bad Impulse with Paul Sorvino and Sonia Walker and Grant Bowler, where people were like really scared. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if I like this feeling either. <laughs> I like people leaving people with. But then the runner in this movie, people are, are left at the end. You know, there's... a there's something that it ends it where people have a conversation afterwards. And this is for me, what I'm interested in film. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in stories that spark conversations um, and also stories that make that move you, that make you feel something, that make you wanna go home and hug your kids or call somebody that you love, um, you know, or force you to take an action that normally maybe you procrastinate on and you wouldn't take. Um, so I'm happy I made this movie, and now they're, uh, like, as we speak, uh, negotiating distribution, so it'll be out early next year. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. I definitely putting that on my radar. I have ones to watch because I love thrillers. Thank you. And some great performances in it. Eric Balfour is in it that people love. Elizabeth Rome is in it that people mm -hmm. love. Naji Jetters, who's wonderful. He's, um, you know, in the in the game, he's Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. um, Matter of fact, there's like images of him all over the city. Um, and there's Carrie Mathers, young actress who's wonderful, and Jessica uh, Emily, who's wonderful, also a, a student of mine. Uh, I tend to cast, you know, a lot of my students. And, um, and then there's a lot of my students that have smaller parts. And Cameron Douglas, who gives a fantastic performance as the detective. He Ooh. plays him very nuanced, not what you would expect at all. So there's some really wonderful performances. I'm excited. It's the movie that's garnered the most accolades on the festival circuit. And we even had five advanced reviews that spoke really highly of the movie. So Excellent. I'm happy that I pushed, you know, to do yeah. it. Because the reason why we were going to postpone it till April is we didn't have all the money in the bank. We have part of the money that was mm -hmm. needed to, to make it happen. And so I took a risk. And I, I took a risk and I said, let's just go for it. Let's do it. I'm so it glad like, that I did it. It sounds yeah. like your risk is definitely paying off. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Glad you didn't wait. You would have been, yeah. I, you probably would still be sitting on it. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You mentioned another one of your recent films, Bad Impulse, which I 
think as of the recording is available on Amazon. I believe yes. it's available on Amazon right now. Yeah, it's Amazon everywhere online. It's available. It was distributed by Gravitas. And mm -hmm. uh, it's a psychological thriller with a little horror, a little supernatural. Uh, it's uh, the same... Um, it's the same um, writer that wrote The Runner, and um, which is wonderful, which is uh, Jason Chase Terrell. Um, and it was his baby, actually. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, he, he gave a lot of care to that script. Mm -hmm. And so I was happy that uh, we made that happen. And it was yeah. released during also the whole COVID thing in December of last year. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of, you know, like this, like Zoom things and Zoom interviews and, you know, it was fun. Yeah. So do you, do you believe as the film touches on that technology is changing how we live our lives? Well, I think for sure. I mean, I like convenience personally. Mm -hmm. So I get a lot, a lot of slack from my sisters because I have the Alexa in my room and the Alexa does talk back at you, you know, sometimes out oh, of yeah. nowhere the way your phone does uh, so i just love convenience you know even like you know when you're busy and everything you can order food to come anything can come to the house right right covid now i hardly go to an end to any store i just order everything online i mean there's such sure. a convenience that goes there with is it. there is that's just great i mean see that's actually that's that's one of the things that i actually don't like about where i live that's i live in the middle of nowhere like I literally heard a bear in my backyard the other night. We don't have DoorDash. We don't have Uber Eats. It's like, if I actually want fast food, I have to go get it. And that's uh, kind of cook, lame. You have to cook it quickly. Before right? I have to cook or I have to actually yeah. go to my car and go get it. It's like, I would love just having it delivered to me. <laughs> yeah. That's just the great thing about technology and convenience. I think if we just use it to do what it's good for, you know, to mm -hmm. our advantage, and are able to pinpoint the dangers of it. I do very little social media. I mean, we do it because, you know, I have a business. Right. And so I have people that right. do it. And I approve the postings. Um, but, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, I think I find myself sometimes, you know, really going, stop with the phone, stop with this, stop. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's addictive. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the danger of it, right? Yeah. That we get addicted and our kids get addicted. Sure. Right. Yeah. So do you yeah. think, though, that the the increases in technology have affected the work of actors as well? Um, what do you mean the increase in technology? Has, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. Because, I mean, everybody, everybody has access to a webcam now and can do YouTube videos and think that they can, they can do their own little stunts and their own little skits. And it, it, from my perspective, it would feel that our our entertainment actors, our, our professional actors have to work a little bit harder to, to get that same recognition that they, they deserve because of their talents, at least from my perspective. Well, I think in general, yes, there's just a lot of competition across the mm -hmm. boards. And not only that, but because of technology, because of the internet, you know, the, the casting net is opened up worldwide. I mean, you can have somebody mm -hmm. you know, do a Zoom audition from another country, and if they're incredible, you know, just um, fly them over to do right. the project. So there's so many choices, and the co competitiveness of it, you know, I think absolutely pushes, you know, actors to just, you know, bring their A game to the table uh, and work really hard because 
you know, if you don't, and if you're not, you know, on that level, somebody else is going to be there that'll get that job. Right. Yeah. All right, Michelle, you've made it this far in our, our little, (laughs) our little game of question and answers, but we have one more for you today. And it's what we like to call our silly question time. So there's no wrong answer. (laughs) It's all what, it's all what you choose to, to put into it. So when it comes to the topic of pizza, (laughs) do you believe that pineapple belongs on the pizza or should it be left off of it for fruit smoothies? Uh, You know, I don't eat pineapple on my pizza, but my kids do. So I think anything goes. (laughs) Oh, you went right down the middle. Solid answer, though. (laughs) All right. Solid answer. Are you team pineapple or team no pineapple, Tim? Oh, very no pineapple. No, no, no. That does not belong on a, on a pizza. Oh, but it's delicious on pizza. <laughs> mm, no. <laughs> if I wanted candied on my pizza, I'd make a candy pizza. Oh. So. so are you opposed to a fruit pizza when you do like the, the big sugar cookie crust and the cream cheese? No, those are delightful. Oh, those are so good. Even the vegetable pizza ones, you know, mm-hmm. same basic concept. I want pizza so. now. Exactly. You're welcome. Sheesh. <laughs> Michelle's over here just like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> We're talking about pizza now. I just, whatever. Listen, I'm a very, uh, you know, easy person when it comes to that. I go, my, always my response is, if you like it, do it. You know, whatever yeah. floats your boat. There <laughs> you I think she was also over there with the, I can just order pizza and have it delivered to my house. <laughs> I tried to stay away from pizza because, you know, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to stay away place. from though it totally is you know you just especially in rainy days like this you know mm-hmm. you go, whatever i feel like eating i'm gonna eat mm-hmm. understood it's, rainy days are comfort food days calories don't count on rainy days in my book <laughs> <laughs> you know michelle thank you so much for being on the show with us today where can our viewers and our listeners go to find out more about your work and what you've got coming out? Um, okay, so uh, I have michelledanteractingstudio.com, the Los Angeles Acting Conservatory. Uh, those are the acting schools. All in Films uh, is uh, the movie uh, website where you can see when the movies are coming out. But I think if you just go on the Instagram, Michelle Danner LA, it gives you all the latest as well. Awesome. We are going to make sure that we link all of those in our episode description so that our viewers and our listeners can find you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Definitely. All right, guys and gals, everybody who's listening, you've made it this far in the show. So if you haven't subscribed by now, go ahead and take a moment. Click that subscribe button. Go ahead. We'll wait. No, really, we will. No. Why should you subscribe? Well, because that helps us to get great guests like Michelle Danner here to have conversations for you to listen to. So click that subscribe button. It's the single most important thing you should be doing right here, right now is click that button. And then make sure you go out and you uh, you click the links down below for Michelle Danner's information and go see what she's doing and what she's got upcoming. You're going to want to stay in touch with everything Michelle has going as well. And remember, addicts. Pop culture is all around us, influencing every single thing we do. So be sure to come back next week as we'll have another fix waiting for you. Thanks again, Michelle. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to Pop Culture Addicts. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Pop Culture Addicts, you can reach us on either Instagram or Twitter by using the handle 
at PCA Pod Show. You can also email us at PCA Pod Show at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2021 Pop Culture Addicts. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of by Pop Culture Addicts or any of its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at PCAPodshow at gmail.com.